because it's fun. It's fun to do bad things. 24-7 Comedy Radio. I want to do horror stuff with my friend. Step out of that shit like a homeless man trying to change his life. We do it so fresh. The Green Room is brought to you today by Amazon. Click the Amazon link on SeanTGreen.com to support the Green Room today. And now, live from Silver Lake, California, the host of the Green Room, Sean Green! All right, everyone, welcome to the Green Room. We're doing it live here in the Silver Lake Studios on SeanTGreen.com, presented by our good friends over at 247comedy.com. Make sure you go over there, get the iHeartRadio app, check out their channel, streaming comedy 24-7. And like Logan said, uh, thank you guys for clicking on the Amazon link. Pretty easy. You click on it once. You can just bookmark that. Then anytime you uh, get something off Amazon... Amazon gets paid, we get paid, the economy starts moving. We get this country back to where it belongs. Speaking of great Americans, Logan Lystico, what's happening, my man? K-Tel, gringo. All right, nice. Always appreciate that. Wait, what did you say? I, I couldn't even, I did not get that. K-Tel, gringo, it's what's up. Oh, okay. In, uh, In Spanish. All right. Appreciate it. Nice Latin Just player. Channeling the barrio. Reaching out to our, uh, Latin, our Latin listening audience. They're huge podcasters. It's an important demographic. All right, and uh, speaking of huge, in America, all over the country, my main man, Brian Moot. What's up, Brian? What, what? I'm impressed <laughs> by uh, about how professional Logan's uh, right-off-the-top announcements are. Yeah. Well, I think John <laughs> Green! <laughs> yeah, are you, you, missed, the- you miss every other time where I see <laughs> even though are, I've said it a million are times. You, are you Latino at all, or did you just know that? <laughs> no. Because <laughs> I, uh, no, you know, like, I mean... I'm mean, no, pretty I know I white. You're pretty white, but I'm so white that I also am like, well, he could be kind of Mexican. Yeah, I got the, I've got Hispanic features. I'm probably part Mexican. I'm adopted, so who knows? Well, that's always hilarious. We always thought Logo was more Latino than, uh, or maybe he is more Latino. Either way, and I had never uh, last week on uh, last week's episode, Logan revealed that he also tans. So I think that was, no, I don't tan on a regular. Whatever basis. part of this you you natural. thought were Mexican was Mexican, it's not now. Exactly. Tan. No, yeah. So we were we were thrown off. I, I mean, I know I was. I know everyone who listened to the episode was like, "Wait, Logan tans?" Did you get any emails? Oh yeah, the email bin is full. Just all <laughs> questions about Logan's tanning. Why do you get into tanning? Why you know what's his tanning schedule like? And do you want to? I feel like the tanning was a big hit, Logan. Any other info you want to fill people in on your tanning? I know they. You love know, it. I think in college, even though well, I guess I am part Italian, so I was sort of a Guido in college, even though I lived <laughs> in the South. Yeah. But uh, you're required I worked, to I worked for bo- Axe Body Spray. I uh, <laughs> wait. You worked for Axe Body Spray. I did. My job in college for two years was to throw parties for Axe Body oh, Spray. That's hilarious. I picture that. Me- I picture that job being like you know when you're at a bar and someone comes up to you with like a zip. They're giving away Zippo. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah. Like that's what you do. You go up and you sign people up for no, email and you just spray them. This with job axe kicked. Just- this job kicked ass. I got to walk around the local you know bar scene with like models and give out free stuff and i don't know people love me it was great oh, man. <laughs> now all right you were free the, stuff to the you fraternities incited so much date rape <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it's a it's a date rape icebreaker axe body spray is great at covering up the uh the smell of ghb logan now here's here's a couple questions okay wait no <laughs> first off i i don't know if we've talked about this before but re- what was the one party you threw that was like a disaster at axe i remember oh yeah so I worked there for two years, and the second year, they they would always give me like $1,000 to throw a theme party. So the first year, I threw a a uh, film festival, went off without a hitch. It was great. And then the second year, I decided to Wait, no, to hold do, on. Sorry. What kind of films are entered in the Axe Body Spray yeah, Film Festival? It's not as funny as you, from YouTube. It, it was pretty sta- straightforward. We just uh, got our- this bar to allow us to throw their party there because uh, you know, they would make more money. And we just showed several short films, and one of them was in Sundance. Oh, wow. It was a Sundance collection. Did anybody light Uh, a fart on any of the videos? (laughs) Okay, actually, that leads to the second party. (laughs) The second party? party? Well, you'll you'll hear. So the second party, we did a different bar that had a fire pit outside, and it was more of a Hawaiian theme, and we just, you know, it was a lot simpler. We just gave out free stuff and whatever, but some idiot decided to throw a can of Axe, which is under pressure... (laughs) 
into the fire pit. It exploded, burnt two girls, and apparently – I didn't see it. I actually was gone because I drove someone home because they were drunk, which I thought was the right thing to do as the party – whatever liaison but apparently i was never supposed to leave the party i got in big trouble for that not really big trouble like but they kind of right so what's what's, well someone just got hit with raping napalm so (laughs) what's what's big trouble in the axe body spray like they only let you put it was just a stern phone call i thought i was going to be fired i wasn't fired they They cut you down to two cans a day they actually flew me to chicago that summer to like do their conference thing so like i guess i didn't get in any trouble so what what ended up happening with the axe body spray can that exploded and the woman was basically these two girls got pretty badly burned and i think one of them lost some hair (laughs) Uh. and but i didn't get to see them and just just because i when i came back to the party they were gone and i didn't really and the axe people told me to not talk to them whatever i do don't apologize don't talk to them don't bring it up because that's when people start to... Don't claim responsibility. Yeah. Right. We at Axe are sincerely very sorry. Whatever we can do financially, emotionally, we'll make it up to you. They said do not say that. (laughs) I imagine at that point in time, if Axe's business plan is giving college kids money to throw Axe by spray party, (laughs) one lawsuit shuts the whole operation down. You're through. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably probably like a good Axe body spray party. A girl just says half her hair burned off. Like that stuff goes... That stuff goes on when you have a budget of $50, let alone $1,000, and Logan in charge of it. I can only imagine. Yeah, but it totally blew over and uh, ended up – well, now they use it to teach the uh, the new I guess, yeah, the new college the students. Stories. Yeah, exactly. Well, even, was... even the time they flew me up there for the conference, like the the guys who were already the Axe Body Spray uh, representatives like got to go do something while the new guys got a – you know. I don't know. They sat in on like a yeah, but and in that meeting they told my. But honestly, in in your defense, how do you defend against people throwing pressurized cans of Axe into a fire pit? Will you just put up signs? Hey guys, please don't whip these cans into the fire. Like anything you do to suggest don't doing that, I feel like is just going to encourage these people to actually do it. You're probably the reason that we can't bring Axe body spray on an airplane. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Like, will they explode? Wait till Al-Qaeda gets a hold of these things. Some terrorist is listening to this podcast now in a spider hole going, See, I'm not crazy. We should have snuck the axe on. God, you idiots. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah. Now, now know, meanwhile, we got all our toiletries in a little plastic bag, thanks to Mr. Logan Lystico. Yeah. I know if I was like 10 years old, I would use Axe to burn ants. You guys ever do that with hairspray? Just, yeah, yeah. Oh, just, that, like, well, that's why our, our school had a band Binaka, because kids were just turning into like mini yeah, flamethrowers. Just, torch, just destroying <laughs> anthills. It is funny. You go through that phase. I, I don't know. I don't think women go through this phase, but guys go through a phase. Could be a year. Could be at least a couple of weeks of just... Oh my god, I can burn stuff. Like that's oh, yeah. a lot of power. Yeah. I can kill bugs. We used to torch this anthill by my house, like this big red ant mound, just constantly we used to torch it. My mom caught us and was like, You can't burn the ants anymore. So I was like, fine, I'm not gonna stop destroying these ants' lives. <laughs> yes, exactly. It take them years to build this mound and I just come walking by my way to the bus stop and just drop kick the whole top and send that tens of thousands of ants flying everywhere for no reason, just like I'm on my way to school. Poof. Yeah, I yeah. Like you just it. feel like a god. You're on top of the world. I mean, I imagine, you know, you get drunk with power in the same way that actual god yeah. gets drunk with power, and you're like, wait, why does this happen? And really, it's just god up in the heavens kicking an anthill because he gets yeah. bored. When you watch little kids kick anthills, then you realize why the buffaloes almost got extinct when settlers <laughs> right, were traveling. Exactly. exactly. Like, these things don't even run. Wham, yeah. wham, wham. <laughs> I mean, I would go on a killing spree in Oregon Trail, and that was just on a little keyboard with, yeah. like, you know, four-bit graphics. I can only imagine how awesome it would be with, like, a gun oh, no. firing out of a tr- moving train and just buffalo walking around. The, the major flaw in that uh, Oregon Trail game was that you never had enough time in whatever class you were in to make it all the way to the Dallas. No, like no. Bring, so it's like, all you do is you just load up on weapons and bullets and just blast as many animals as you could. And then they yeah. try to teach you that lesson, and they're like, oh, no. You shot 8,000 pounds and you can only carry 50. And I'm like, I don't, I don't give a shit. Right, exactly. What do I care? It is funny. Like, they, they were trying to teach you a lesson in the Oregon Trail game of, like, oh, hey, you, you wasted three bullets. Meanwhile, a bullet in that game is, like, nothing. Yeah. And, yeah, what happens if you waste meat? Nothing. It, just like in real life. The buffalo just died out there. Their carcasses rotted away. And we got to keep on trucking out to Oregon. Plus, I'd name everybody in my wagon train people I hated. So when they died of cholera, I'd be like, yeah, take that, Eleanor. Awesome. You just died of cholera. 
Aura in my wagon train. <laughs> yeah, and this was this was back before technology was advanced enough to kind of filter out vulgarity names. So you'd yeah, be going yeah, you around, could. you'd be going on Oregon Trail, and you could see like your buddies had died, and it'd be like ass muncher died of dysentery yeah, yeah. here, and you're like, oh, that's so get... that's so robbing. Everyone man. knows you get dysentery from munching ass. You <laughs> yes, idiot. exactly. Well, now you're uh, you're not from the Oregon area. You're from uh, Washington, right? Yeah, Seattle. Well, okay. Whidbey Island. So it's just north of Seattle. All right. Now uh, you grew up there your whole life. Uh, yeah, man. I lived on an. I was born in Seattle. I lived there for like a year, and then we moved to a farmhouse on Whidbey Island. So we had, no, wait. Sorry. What's the name of it called? Whidbey Island. Whidbey Island. Whidbey, yeah. Now, do you? Was there like a bridge over to the no, island? Well, no, we had to ride a ferry. Oh wow! Was this man, was this in the movie? Uh, <laughs> it's in the movie with the Ashley Wicker Judd. Man? <laughs> Uh, my, dude, Have you heard of that? A lot of movies. Uh, I know uh, Double Jeopardy with Ashley Judd. Oh, nice! Big time Woody Allen movie. Uh, and I didn't even know that there, like the opening scene. They're like, "That's the most beautiful boat on Woody Allen." I was like, "Whoa, what? Yeah, Are we famous now." <laughs> By the way, the first time you said Woody Island, I was like, "What? Is it a peninsula?" Yeah, it's a stupid name, man. It's named after the captain, Joseph Whidbey. And who ended up getting his head cut off by a bunch of Indians. So it's yep. like, Whoa. why do we care about this? He's a hero, man. Yeah. He tried to stop these savage Indians from living on their land. He, he ruined it. It's just a bunch of loggers and hippies. That's all the island is. Logging and hippie. Yeah. Now, how many people are on the island? It's like 60,000. 60,000. Okay, yeah, so... It's 70 miles long. It's like a long, windy island between the side of uh, Washington Seattle's on and then the Olympic Peninsula. It's like right in the middle. Okay, so you didn't feel like you were... Did it feel like a small town growing yeah, up? Yeah, because you gotta... I mean, to, to get to places with fast food or uh, like any real town, you had to take a ferry. That took like an hour from like oh the time God. you got in line to the time you got off the boat. You're blowing Logan's mind oh right God, now. Oh my God, it yeah. sucked. It was the worst. We had a Dairy Queen. That's all we had. We had a Dairy Queen. And uh, that was the only fast food. So I never ate any. I used to get so excited when I'd be like, oh, Burger King, what? Oh, my God. Oh my, yeah, that must be torture, sitting, watching TV, seeing, oh, the new toy for, uh, you know, coming out in a yeah, happy meal. <laughs> or we didn't even have cable. We, we literally couldn't get cable. Like, they hadn't dug the trench down the street I lived on yet. Wow, and satellite wasn't cable. an option. Uh, my mom's a hippie, so she's like, we're not putting any... Yeah, plus... trust those things, shooting rays into outer <laughs> space. <laughs> plus, back in the day, it was probably super expensive, too, for satellite. Yeah, yeah. It's so not... I remember the day I saw them trenching the cable down. <laughs> You're just sitting out street, there. I was like, keep it coming, fellas. Like, I was like, I'll get them lemonade or whatever. I was like, don't get tired. <laughs> you could do it. I I liken that to, like, uh, my feeling, and I mean, this is so inappropriate, but it's as when I was a 12-year-old, seeing cable coming down my street... Like, I liken it to what, like, the slaves must have felt like when they saw the North advancing. Like, I see freedom coming. Oh, I see it. The underground coaxial railroad. Yeah, that strangely, brought... whenever I try to tell that story, black people aren't so on board. Maybe it's because I'm comparing slavery to my uh, my lack of uh, exactly. stimpy. It's, yeah, I'd say it's more like the Yeah, the cooking network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's, do a, let's do a Holocaust comparison. That's it's more like, like you see the Americans coming here. You, know, you know they're coming to save you. dying in your house. So you're dying of boredom, or in this case, they were dying of, uh, you yeah. know. Entertaining malnutrition. Exactly. <laughs> so, wow, that sounds um, that sounds like a unique upbringing. So your parents were hippies. Did, did they grow up on the island as uh, well? My or? mom kind of. She grew up... Uh, my mom was a hippie. My dad was was not. My mom grew up part of the time on Whidbey during the summertime. And then her dad was a lawyer. So they, they had a house on Whidbey Island. And uh, a lot of rich people in Seattle have houses on Whidbey Island. Growing up, I met I met so many hot chicks doing stand up now in the Seattle area. Who like, oh, you're from Whidbey? We used to have a high. Where were you when I was in high school? <laughs> exactly. Oh my God. Now, so the high school is on the island, right? Yeah, we had like 430 kids. I was like a dominant athlete at that school. Oh, that's and, awesome. That yeah. that would be my that dream. It was kind of nice until I realized that like black people play sports. <laughs> yes, and exactly. I was like, oh, this is the worst. I was so tricked. I was like, I'm going to go to the NBA. And then my junior year of high school, I was like, I'm not going any to the NBA at all. Yeah, I- I grew up in a small school too, and it was also like a lot of Mexicans, which are you know I don't okay this well, they're not racist, power forward. We were, all, <laughs> very we were all small people. It's all right, Logan. You're yeah. Mexican. You can say yeah, that. Yeah, man. Oh yeah, that's true. The Me- the, uh, yeah, from playing basketball here, the Latino guys, they're yeah, obviously a lot, Mexicans seem to be shorter uh, the basketball players, so they're they're kind of uh, you know boxy boxing out. The guy, fast, guy's got some good good just, shots. Quick. They play it like the game of soccer, so they just run around the floor. Yeah. There's like no defense, and they just shoot threes. <laughs> yeah. 
It's yeah, the Larry. worst. Now, where um, where the interest in sports come in? Were you was your um, dad a big no, sports guy? No, not really, man. I've just always I was just always into sports. I just always like yeah. That's the thing. If, if you're a guy, it doesn't have to be anything in particular. Your dad cannot be into sports, and you can just find sports and, and get into it. Yeah, what? I mean, I, pl- playground basically. I mean, every playground has a basketball hoop. And if you're a first grader and you're like, hey, man, I can do that pretty good. Like, I just shot that in. That yeah. was awesome. And I was always, like, a little bit bigger than everybody. I was, yeah, like, you're a, a tall guy. Oversized. Yeah, so I was like, this is the easiest game on the planet. Yeah, why doesn't everyone play basketball? Man, you guys should all grow taller. <laughs> this is easy. Um, so now, all right, I guess you got into sports pretty early. So were you a popular kid, kind of a jack, would you um, say? You know what's weird is that my... School wasn't like that, really, because it was so small. Like, we were all snowboarders, too, so, like, I'd, we'd blow off, like, the end of a school day and just head up to Stevens Pass, like, catch the ferry and go snowboarding. So there was really, and I skated a ton because we built a half pipe in my backyard. So I was, I kind of was Sounds like in, a sweet life, Brian. Yeah, I was yeah. in that crew. <laughs> why'd you, why'd you come awesome. out here? <laughs> I don't, well, it was, uh, yeah, the country you live in, you have nothing to do. So you just be, act, you're just always active. You're just always, there's nowhere to go. So, like, at night, we just go, on the weekends, we'd skate at some of the high, like, the high school, like, just try and jump stairs or whatever all night yeah with Mountain Dew that's it we had nothing to do <laughs> or you know we, that's not true when I when I was like a junior and senior we'd drink beer and light things on fire exactly Couches but before before like boozing and getting high gets worked into the picture caffeine is just yeah, the big that's the big drug of choice you're if you're like 5th 6th grade 7th grade jump things and like run your parents uh, health insurance deductible up as high <laughs> yeah, as you exactly can. Yep. So yeah, so my school wasn't, I mean, I didn't do, uh, I didn't drink or smoke really in high school, because I played, I mean, I played sports all year round. I went to parties all the time, but I never, I just was like, yeah, I'll drive. It was like that guy. I just yeah, didn't really yeah. want, I, I never liked being out of control of my of my brain. I had that problem for a long time. Like, if I smoked weed... <laughs> no, well, people would say that's not a problem. That's a good thing yeah, to have. Yeah. Well, I'd smoke weed, and I'd be like, I hate this. I can't control anything. I feel like I'm dying right now. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to, the feeling of death. It's obviously meant to relax mm-hmm. you. I've, I've heard that from some people who they don't, they don't enjoy that aspect of, that they feel like the drug has taken over their brain, and they're just kind of yeah. along for the ride, and that the, the highness is controlling them. I guess it's just kind of surprising, because I think Pacific Northwest, you're hanging out in this island. Oh, picture everybody smoked weed i just didn't i mean granted i became i mean i started drinking like the other thing is i didn't drink much is because my mom was like i'm from a huge irish catholic family so my mom was like booze is the devil look what it's done to everyone all right all right you're right you're right and then once i got into college i was like this shit is awesome yeah Yeah. i think our family it's like booze is a devil Eh, what are you gonna do Eh, yeah i know yeah Eh. All right. Yeah, yeah bruises. Right. Yeah, whatever. No, just have... the devil. Just paying attention to reality. Exactly. Comes at me. Um, um, so yeah, so I played like uh, I was a quarterback in football, and I played defensive end. I played every oh, single snap. Brian, you have year. you have you're describing my dream high school. Like I wish yeah. I was. I wish I was starting quarterback, defensive end. It was a fun. It was a. It, but here's how weird my school was. So this is how like non traditional my high school was. As because everybody in it is like artsy and kind of hippieish. So, like, my senior season, I started at quarterback and defensive end, and I kicked and punted. So I was on every <laughs> single play of Damn. the whole season except punt returns and kickoff returns. And uh, my senior season, we were getting blown out at homecoming, right? And our halftime speech from my football coach was, this is the first time in the history of this high school that the starting quarterback wasn't even nominated for the homecoming. <laughs> I was like, hey, coach, hey, uh, we got a game, man. Yeah. He was like, this is ridiculous. When I was growing up, because he, like, he, he played at Southwood High School, so he's like, when I was here, it was a given. Starting quarterback, captain of the cheerleading team. That's awesome. And I was like, yeah, easy, man. Let's, uh, let's worry about the game. we got a big game going. And then who won it my senior year was a, a, a dude won homecoming queen. He dressed in drag. Now, and that's the that's chick, chick won king. So it was like they went what? like cross-dress, and they got voted independently. So it would have been hilarious had it been like a dude, like some, yeah, man, I'm a wrestler. And then like some dude dressed in drag won queen. Oh, yeah. that makes a real awkward pairing, but... So that that's a Pacific Northwest. I, I admit know the fix was in. Okay, <laughs> yeah. cross dressing. Yeah, he probably they probably had a campaign going on early. So now you're you're great at sports. You're a sober guy. Where where's the uh, what's the urge to make people laugh? Are you are you kind of uh, are you cracking a lot of jokes in um, class? Yeah, or? you know what? I, I went. I played basketball at the University of Laverne down here, Laverne area. Okay, and uh, I was always I was way better at. Like, just being a smart ass than actually playing basketball in college. Like, I just, at a certain point in time, you just get sick of playing basketball. You're just like, ah, this is stupid. Anyone can do this. 
So I just always end up trying to be just like goofing around and just ripping on people. That's not and, why I didn't join the basketball team. Yeah, yeah. yeah this is easy. Fuck it. I, don't yeah, no, I wasn't even that it was easy. I got into college. I was like, man, these guys are so fast. And that's when like I was oh. like, man, you just kind of got hit the wall. I was like, bored. black people are so much better at this game. <laughs> like, I really, I remember I had a football coach in high school like pull me aside, like try to be like subtle about it. He's like. Hey Brian, hey, uh, you know maybe you shouldn't play so much basketball. I was like, whatever, coach. Basketball is my game. As I'm like just launching threes, like not working on any ball handling. Just yeah, I'm right. gonna be a shooter. <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna be six foot seven because I'm like six three as a sophomore. And and they were like, uh, and the coach was like, ah oh, man, you know maybe if you picked up a football every now and then, you know during the off season, you you're gonna have a perfect build to play quarterback at the next level. I'm like, whatever, man. I don't even like football because I like wouldn't touch a football from. The end of one season to the other. And basically what he was saying, he was a genius. like, yo, too many black people play basketball. You're not good. All right? right. You're not good enough. You're going to peak. Yeah. You, I know we don't have the internet really yet. I mean, it's kind of like nobody's really blogging about it yet, but you're going to get crushed. All right? In there, play football. Uh, and then I found out in basketball and just started – I didn't start doing stand-up until I moved back to Seattle after I graduated, though. Okay. So, sorry. But just overall in comedy, were you – were you like a funny guy in high school? I Would think you so. I was just always goofing around with my friends. It's hard to tell. I mean, who the funniest dude was because you have your friends who are just like, "Yeah, I'm a goofball," and like always like falling down and like kicking someone in the nuts, and they're the funniest guy. Uh, but I've always had like that sarcasm where I, th- I mean, I could definitely blast people. Yeah, right. And uh, and I think like through college, like playing basketball and all that, and just being in school, a lot of chat busting. Yeah, just goofing around. And then uh, when I got back, my mom was like, "You should do stand up. You always make fun of your dad, and it's so funny." <laughs> that is a uh, yeah. It's a very Irish Catholic type thing. So wait, your mom, now I read in your bio, it said if your your mom said something like, "If you think you're so funny, why don't you go on stage?" Oh, was it yeah, really? She's always because I used to just because she used to tell me to go on stage. She's like, "You should be a comedian." And I was like, "Eh, whatever." I was like, "I didn't even really know that was a job. I'd never really watched stand up. I'd like, oh okay, had heard of it a little bit, but interesting. Yeah, never. I did my first night of open mic comedy. I'd never seen stand up live before. Wow, I'd, I'd seen it on TV. I guess that's not that crazy now that I think about it. Only, when you said live, yeah. Well, the only if thing you've never ever, seen it on TV. The only, well, not, but I'd seen it on TV like maybe two or three times. The only thing I'd ever remember seeing was uh, Bill Burr's half hour special where he had, and the only bit I remember is one where he says that uh, uh, that George Bush was the first president who made him who was like from his math class. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, that was like the guy who made it out of like his level of like intellectual ability. Um, and then my mom, yeah, mom, used always be like, why don't you try? I think you're so funny. Because then I'd, I'd, like, rip on her about her horses and all her weird animals <laughs> and stuff. And she'd be like, why don't you try to be a comic then? I was like, fine, I'll do it. You know, whatever. <laughs> how'd, the, how'd the first night go? What you, what um, kind of stuff did you do? You remember? Yeah, I mean, I had one bit, which everybody, I think every, I was, like, on the front end of this bit, I feel like. But since then, I've heard a lot of people do it. And I only did it once because I didn't know you could repeat material for, like, <laughs> six months. I had, right. thought you had to have new stuff every time. At open mic, so uh, I did a bit about how my cell phone needed a breathalyzer, so I couldn't call anybody when I was hammered. Yeah, and uh, and then I like the end of it is like it, you like everyone's trying to set your high score. That's what basically it ended up being like. If a dude had a breathalyzer on his phone, he would just be trying to see how drunk he could get. Yeah, yeah exactly. Essentially, I did that bit, and I did a bit about tandem bikes. Um, I don't remember. That was the only two I remember, and it went like mediocre. Though I do remember this: the guy I did I closed on some dirty joke. Um, I don't remember what it is, but it's about definitely about AIDS. And uh, I know it's about AIDS. And then uh, this guy... Poor, I mean, the AIDS community really have had a tough run. You yeah, got the... I, I mean, you got the disease itself. You got the 80s where it's practically a death sentence. It hasn't gotten that much easier. The The guy who gets it, Magic Johnson, is not a gay guy, supposedly. So you don't even have a gay guy representing the disease. And now it, it's almost like a punchline because it's like the worst thing. Yeah. Well, and as a white guy, that's really the edgiest thing you can go after. You know what I mean? Like right away, like you know. Exactly, it's like the taboo AIDS, yeah. cancer. Not, I can't talk about racism. I just gotta be like, hey, cancer is like everyone's like, oh, boo. But then AIDS is like AIDS. And everyone's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> cancer's tough because it's like, oh my god, uh, my grandma had cancer, which you don't get that as much with AIDS and yeah. stuff like that. Because you can get it from heroin, so you know, from needle use. Um, but I remember this, and I remember being so pissed off. I thought this set went well, but then my, my adrenaline was pumping so much, I didn't really know. And then I got off stage, and some dude, some local comic, who I still know now, and he's quit at this point in Seattle. But he goes, uh, and it's such an old school rip, and I wanted to kill him for it. 
He goes like, um, hey, everybody. Uh, oh, give it up for Brian Moot. Uh, he's available for children's parties. Oh. He gets a laugh, and I was like, what uh. does that mean? Are we fighting? Am I going to have to kick your ass now? This is insane. Awesome. That is weird. Yeah, coming Because from... I come from the athletic competition world. I'm exactly. like, this guy talking shit? This guy's about to get shoved in a locker. Yeah. He's about to be pushed down. And I'm gonna... not even a fighty guy. <laughs> I, know. I know. I'm the same way. Like, I, I've never gotten in like any kind of real crazy fights but just in comparison to comedy you feel like such i mean well you were much more of an athlete even than i ever was but just having like any sorts of sort of sports background or any sort of interest in sports makes you this kind of like crazy out of control jock compared to the average comic you're competitive and you're like all right like how did i do did i do well and i was like you know you look at it like anything i mean i think that athletics does help you in stand-up because you learn that work ethic you're like you're driving yourself you want to get better it's like you're practicing yeah and then but when somebody like i didn't know that's like the oldest dig in the books and i was like this dude broke it out on me the first day i was like oh that's the worst too especially if he knows it's your first time it's like come on man give the it's your first time going up give him a break yeah i'm pretty sure i lied to everybody because i didn't want i don't yeah you didn't want that rookie pity i never wanted that we're like I was like, no, I've done this a few t- times. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, Where at? I'm like, you know, like this place. <laughs> I mean, Either. now, like, if I ask someone and they're like, oh, this coffee shop, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a billion coffee shops doing stand up. But, like, I didn't even know. You didn't that. even know, like, what to lie about. I didn't know that culture existed. So, you're in high school. You uh, obviously still into basketball at that time. You go to Laverne to play ball there. What's the, uh, what's the game plan as far as job? Well, I got out, when I moved back to Seattle, I got a job uh, teaching autism. Okay, so, but what was your major at Laverne? Oh, psychology. psychology. My major at Laverne was playing basketball and just goofing <laughs> around, and then I was like, oh, crap, I gotta pick something. Yeah. I should have gone into, now, like, my school had, like, the best radio and TV program ever. Like, they have a great TV production and radio production program. But at the time, I was like, what? Screw that. I want to be a, I want to be a, a counselor. Oh, <laughs> bad move. What are you doing? That is funny. Just the, Idiot. I just imagine the Jack turned high school guidance counselor or like high school yeah. psychiatrist. <laughs> what? Everyone's calling you a pussy? Yeah, well maybe you are a pussy. Maybe, maybe you need to hit the gym. Yeah, do some chin-ups, you little bitch. <laughs> you ever hear Don't about... call me a pussy. Look, why? Look hey. at these shoulders. <laughs> Wait till you get out in the real world where black people are playing basketball. It's a hard, harsh reality out there. It eventually just melts down into my... <laughs> And I'll try to take charges? That's the fundamental play. And these guys are dunking over me. No one told me. You don't take a charge when the guy's six foot nine in black, all right? You get out of the way. That's great. So psychology was just kind of like, hey, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I was like, I, I, you know what the problem is, is that someone asked me, my, the guidance counselor asked me my major, like I just finished a class about psychology, and I was like, I learned about like group think. Yeah. Like, oh, man. That really changes the way you view the world. These group characteristics. It's like that's so neat. I'll just major in that. Well, and and I think the comic brain lends itself to psychology because obviously you are just thinking a lot about thinking about what is funny, yeah. thinking about why people think something is funny, what motivates them to laugh, why do you want to tell this laugh? It is a big yeah. head trip. Like I think I, one class I only I read the textbook just because Sigmund Freud like made me laugh. I was like, this guy, <laughs> he's convinced ladies that they can get rid of like mental problems by sleeping with him. I was like, <laughs> he really that's like putting out a fire with gasoline, you idiot. Like, you're just such a scumbag. Yeah. When I, when I first heard about him, I, w- I was like, this guy clearly wants to fuck his mom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's claiming that we all do, and yeah, I just I don't buy it. That Come is, on, guys, don't we? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm just going to write I'll a paper pr- about it. I'll write a paper about it. It'll. About, uh, everyone wants to sleep with their mom. Then it's like, I'm the most normal yeah. guy around. And then you hear about, I guess he was like a big... Or, you know, they try to dispel it, but supposedly he was pretty involved in the cocaine. And then so you kind of do the math like, oh, okay, so this guy's just up doing coke all the time, like rambling off these theories. <laughs> some of it kind of sticks, some of it doesn't. It's dude. like, this guy's not a rocket scientist. He's a coked out dude who wants to talk. You can find guys like that. He's like, uh, he basically is like, uh, like uh, uh, what is it, one of the dudes, like David Koresh, like those crazy people. Yes. Yes. Always, he's that guy, but he just didn't ever get anyone to commit suicide with him. He just somehow right. was like, no, it's normal. If you're feeling blue, ladies, your vagina needs a back rub. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all I've his... i got a penis with thumbs. So. All his, uh, all his, like, dream analysis stuff, yeah. it's all just related to sex, so it could just, it's... I mean, 
mean, that's how you that's how you break it down with a chick. Just oh, I had this dream about this rowboat going across the ocean. That actually symbolizes uh, the male penis and how it's yeah. how it's <laughs> going into the vast ocean. I, I think you're I think you need some comforting right now. Like, it's just such a good icebreaker. Oh I wow, I didn't know I was so horny. Thanks for telling me. <laughs> I had a bit for a while where I wanted to make a dream analysis book because I don't believe dreams mean anything except you're like the stress your brain is like decompressing during the day, right? Yeah. So it's like. I wanted to make a dream analysis book where every, like, all you break down the dream and, like, all, like, every moment, like, oh, did your dream have this, 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 go to this page, go to this page. And eventually, every time you want to find out what your dream meant, you have to flip to the back page with just the big, bold letters. You're gay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, those books are ridiculous. Oh, maybe if my dreams tell me I'm gay, maybe I'm gay. (laughs) Maybe give it a shot. Yeah, you never know. What are you? What are you close-minded? No, no, no. The book told me I was gay. Maybe. What are you doing here? I don't know. Some book told me to. Dude, well, that I guess that guy can... wrote it at a bachelor's in psychology. <laughs> yes. and never worked with a patient. I've all I have is an associate's in uh, mechanical repair. I don't know what I'm doing. So, all right, you're dabbling in psychology. You get a job working with yeah, uh, autistic a, kids. Yeah, I worked as an high school uh, autism teacher. Now, why why move back home? Why not um, stay out here? You know what? I don't because I didn't even start. I didn't know like entertainment was. Yeah, yeah. Thing. Just, I just was like, I don't know, man. I just was like, I want to go back to Seattle. I miss Seattle. At that point in time, too, all my friends, like from my high school buddies, none of them really went to college. They all just kind of like they got jobs doing this. Hung out in Woodley Island, moved, man. No, they all moved. All my homies moved back to Seattle, and so every time I'd go home for like uh, Christmas, I was like, this is the best week of my life. So it was actually like the best three years of, uh, well, not the best, but like a really fun three years of my life is when I started stand-up. I was working in special ed during the day. I was doing gigs at night. I mean, six months in, I started getting paid to feature, and I headlined a club up there like uh, like a year in. Wow, that's, that's great. Awesome. Yeah, it was cr- I mean, at the time, I realized the owner was just trying to save money. So he's like, here, I'll give you $200 for four shows. What? You're going to pay me? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. awesome. And then uh, I lived on Lake Union in Seattle with a couple buddies from high school, and we had a boat. We had a dock and a boat, and we just we just we had hammocks in the trees out in front of our our little house right on the lake in the middle of the city of Seattle. And we were walking distance from Giggles Comedy Club, and that when I met all my buddies in comedy like Jeff Dye, Andrew Slater. We all would just hang out in my place drinking beer all afternoon from like five to seven thirty, then walk up to the comedy club, and everybody would do spots in both shows, and then we just walk around the U District and. It was the easiest no-pressure situation ever. I had no loans. I had nothing. Like, no... Nice. Yeah, it was just all about... Everyone was just boozing. Because everybody had jobs. Nobody had responsibility. Nobody's married. Nobody had kids. Yeah. That sounds like a great... I mean, you're just this... You said great three years. And, yeah, that sounds like an awesome three years, man. It was... I mean, there's... there's, My buddy was showing me pictures. I mean, also, I I I weighed about 240 during this time. Wow. From all the pizza (laughs) and beer... I'm like, I weigh 200 now, and I was just, I mean, I was like lumberjack fat. Like, I was just humongous. Stocky. Oh, yeah, I was just big. And I I saw a picture of me the other day, uh, on the 4th of July, taking a beer bong of Bacardi, and then... (laughs) And then I jumped. I was driving the boat. Terrible idea. Yeah, jumped don't boat off the drive. boat while it was going and just left. And it was just ghost riding through the lake. <laughs> From the with driver's like, seat. With like 15 of my friends in it. Like Ghost ride the boat. Yeah. And then we had a, we had, we had a designated driver. I just was manning the wheel. Right, exactly. That's, that's <laughs> she was a pregnant chick. That was the best part about it. So like every time a cop boat would look at us, we'd be like, look at her. She's so pregnant. He'd yeah, like, right, you can't be drunk. Nope. So that's how, yeah, that sounds like a great three years. Why... Why uh, why move down to L.A.? You go oh, get well, more no, serious I, about I moved it? to Boston first. Oh, okay. So I what I did, like, I hit a point. Seattle's one of those comedy scenes where, like, tons of stage time. And it's great. There's a lot of great comics up there. Still, a lot of great comics came out of that place. But it's one of those scenes where you hit a ceiling real quick where, you know, like, I could headline some triple runs. Um, but then again, like, I started in that scene. So nobody, a lot of the people weren't giving me the work that I would want to do. And at the time, I was like, you know what? I'm not in this. I don't, I don't want to do stand-up just to work the Northwest. Yeah. So I was like, I want to go to a new city and do stand-up. And uh, so I decided on Boston because I went to New York and I went to L.A. just for visits. And I was like, I don't like this place. I'm not ready. Like, something about it, I was just like, mm, not, I'm not feeling it. A little real. Yeah, and I saw when stand-up stood out and then that movie about Boston. And then also every comic I'd worked with at that point opened for, like, Bill Burr. Uh, Dana Gould. Oh, okay. So what you would um, just go over this uh, stand-up sit out? Um, yeah, that's the movie about Boston. Yeah, Boston. yeah. No, I know, but like that was about. Yeah, it was like Boston comics kind of yeah, described. Yeah, the eighties. Yeah, the comedy scene there that really turned you on to it. Well, it just to me, 
that, I mean, that looked awesome. And I knew it wasn't like that anymore because I'd been out there and I had, like, Mike Kaplan was one of my buddies and he lived there at the time. He's like, it's not like that anymore. But also, every major comic I'd ever seen or worked with, if I looked, like, back in their past, they came out of Boston. It was like Dana Gould, Bill Burr, Robert Kelly. I mean, even Dane Cook at the time. Yeah. Um, I was like, man, those guys all came from Boston. That's, that place has to be what makes you funny. So I was like, I'm going to grad school there. Because I, I couldn't, like, <laughs> I still wasn't comfortable in my life, like, being, I'm not, I just wasn't comfortable being like, I'm going to be a full-time comic. Because I was like, I'm making, like, $400 a year right now in this. So I was like, I need to go to grad school. So I went to get my master's in social work from Boston College and then just did stand-up every night I lived in Boston. I did, like, two or three shows a night. For three years. So what? Now what? The what was the 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 plan was you were getting your master's in social work, and yeah. then what? And then what were you? What kind of job um, did you get? I from wanted that? to get a fundraising, or I basically wanted to like evaluate nonprofits. It, my problem with a lot of the nonprofits I've worked in in my life is that they felt like they were they were always so inefficient because they used lack of money as a reason for why they don't have to be efficient. Right. And then, you know, when they get grants, they just be like, we don't know what to do with it. They just didn't seem very good. So I wanted to get a degree that would allow me to help evaluate nonprofits and make them work better. Also public policy. I just kind of wanted to get into the business side of social work and policy. And, uh, but to be honest, like, I wanted to be a professional comedian. But and this was like a good uh, seemingly backup plan or something. It that, was, but it just like at the time I just wasn't mature enough or – You didn't – it is a scary thing to just yeah, be just, like, no, this is what I'm going to do and come hell or high water, I'm going to try and figure it out. Yeah, and I mean I, like my life in Seattle, I needed something bigger than stand-up to move me. I mean it's hard to explain, but like I had a girlfriend I'd had for two years – and she was like a really good driving force for me in stand-up. She was always like, go, go, do it. You like it. It's so fun. Keep going and doing stand-up. And uh, I, like, my parents were like, you should go to grad school. And I had a job. And I was like, everything was – but I was like, I need something that everybody will understand why I'm moving. So yeah. I was like, oh, so that was college, like- graduate school, social work. And in my back of my mind, I'm like – and graduate school and stand-up comedy because I know that scene is better. And so it that was, was like that, that was kind of your college. Your your undergrad was basically time spent in Seattle. Your graduate work was right, doing exactly. the graduate work and going to and, Boston. And Boston's an unbelievable scene even now, and it's because they have so I mean, there's so many comics when I lived there that were still there every night, just destroying like Mike Kaplan, Shane Moss, Dan Bulger. Um, Josh Gondelman. They were on shows every night, along with sometimes like Louis C.K. would drop into places. Yeah. And, all those guys who were from Boston would just occasionally drop through. Mike Birbiglia would come in and do spots at the comedy studio. So it's like you saw what it was. The difference between Boston and Seattle. Seattle, I never saw those people. Or I rarely did. You always felt like, oh, I got it. And then when you're in Boston, you're like, oh, okay, that's where I need to be. That's that kind guy. of the next level. Right, exactly. Because so you, you were on a show with them. So you saw like where you compared. You're like, right. could, yeah. you, could you follow a guy like Ira Proctor who... People out here I haven't heard of, but in the, in New England just demolishes. You know, yeah, goes back and forth between there and New York, and he's really funny. But you know, can you follow him, or can you know, on a show, or you you just never want to be the weak spot on a show. Yeah, you don't want to be the weak link holding it down, or yeah, uh, yeah same thing in athletics. You don't want to be that guy holding the team right. back. All comes back to athletics. So, what was the final thing that happened to get you out to LA here? Um, I just got out of school and I decided like I wanted to move to LA. I know, I mean, I'm a West Coast person, and that the toughest part of being in Boston was that first of all, winter. I don't know why anybody lives up there. It is funny to just if you didn't grow up on the East Coast and then just West Coast people who moved to the East Coast and just like. Oh my God! This is how do people live like this? Yeah, why then, would you? I mean, I understand like that first winter <laughs> that all those pilgrims made that mistake. Yeah, but like, why repeat it? <laughs> right? Like, why didn't they maybe leave? It's global warming. Maybe it's, just it's not going to be. Here. It's not going to be as bad next winter. Oh my God! I would have just. I would have been out of there. There's no like. There's. I mean, granted, the Boston summer is very beautiful, but. And then it gets humid. It's like, come on, get out of there. What are you doing? Like, I don't understand <laughs> right. why people are in New York. There should be nobody north of, like, Charlotte, North Carolina. That's, like, the cutoff <laughs> The Mason-Dixon line of living is literally the Mason-Dixon yeah, line in it, your mind. Seattle, I mean, like, Seattle would get down in the wintertime to, like, 28, but then it'd get back up to 40. And it would snow, and then it'd melt the next day. Yeah, it's and not that you gotta intense. you got to deal with the, you know, the drizzly, cloudy rain, which I also hate. 
Yeah, uh, that's kind of a different kind of depression. Like just this mild kind of. It's not as intense as the winter, but it is kind of a downer. Yeah. Well, people who complain about LA, like, oh, LA, there's no like culture there. It's all smoggy. I'm like, yeah, I keep telling yourself that. It's unbelievable. I wore shorts in January. Yes. No, yes. <laughs> sunburned hiking Runyon Canyon. I don't need your yeah. Stay in New, stay in Boston. Whatever keeps you in that four degree. It is funny you you don't you don't really appreciate it till you move out here that how much great weather makes up for a lot of stuff like oh graffiti oh that guy's getting stabbed okay there's some trash <laughs> and smog oh my god this is such a great day oh, yeah, what a well, nice day at least if you get stabbed you don't also freeze to death <laughs> in the alley like, right they can not... find you the next day and you're still alive like you get stabbed <laughs> in an alley in Boston if no one finds you like you're gonna freeze you're gonna freeze to death oh, I stop bleeding yeah it's gonna and then the some, wound froze shut and you're some drunk die. Irish guy's gonna come out and piss on you cause yeah. he's <laughs> don't, the people from Boston like Bostonians like true Bostonians are miserable human beings they right. hate it there they're all Irish and miserable and they hate it they take some pride in the misery too and like yeah of course the miserables are winner that's we're yeah. miserable this is life yeah, exactly life is miserable you gotta duke it out kid no you don't leave <laughs> yeah you can't go you can't go to Los Angeles where it's really nice and yeah I mean life's life's difficult as is at least if it's a nice day and it's sunny it, it helps your disposition I mean it, it is probably the reason though that we're so uh, sophisticated as a country because I bet if like we had a tropical climate for the whole United States, oh my no god, because yeah, that's, that's you been put, proven. You ever mo- put white people in like a tropical area? They don't do no- they do nothing. There's a, there's Nobody a reason does. Jamaica doesn't have a space. You ever program, met a white right? person who lives in Hawaii? They're worthless. <laughs> yes. They're worthless people. They talk about how close they live to the beach, and you're like, you're an idiot. This is an island. No, you're yeah, you're not gonna people. you're not gonna put a man on the moon from a guy hanging out. You know, a guy like if Einstein was Hawaiian, none of that would happen. <laughs> if Einstein right? was wearing flip flops. And a Hawaiian shirt. If he was born in Costa Rica, he'd just be making some yeah. fish and some black beans and rice and having the time of his life. Probably a much happier guy overall, but he wouldn't have done yeah. all the things he did. He married. This always, I don't know if you know this, this always cracked me up that Albert Einstein divorced his first wife to marry his first cousin. Yeah, well, I heard that a while ago. And he's I probably trying to preserve that. that brain power in the family. Yeah, maybe he's just trying to keep it in there. But it's just insane <laughs> that like a guy who's that smart could just do something kind of that well, socially not. bizarre. Right. Or like, dude, you're kind of aware of basic genetics, right? You like, you know, this right. is you're, well, you no, know statistics. <laughs> yeah, maybe the theory of relativity is all about banging your cousin. Yeah. <laughs> It's like it's relative relatives. Yeah, it's relatives. That's weird. Well, it's all relative, bro. Yeah, yeah. That's my theory of relative. It's all relative. It doesn't matter. We're all just molecules. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. you know, it blows me away though, like because you you're from uh, like the Philly area. Yeah, right? outside of Philly, like an hour north of Philly. So you you guys have like that. When I moved to Boston and the New England area, you have so much of history. Like Albert Einstein, all those people. Like are they? You know they. Uh, well, Einstein wasn't from Philly, right? No, uh, yeah, he was a. Uh, <laughs> is he American? I don't no. even know. Now I'm exposed. No, he. I have a psychology degree, so don't. <laughs> he escaped Germany. Yeah, he was. He was in uh, Germany. I think he spent some time in uh, Switzerland. Yeah. I think he was like a patent clerk in Switzerland, or um, yeah, so one of those like uh, Belgium that kind of area. But yeah, he he definitely lived in Germany and escaped the Nazis. See, we didn't have like uh, in in the in the West Coast, like old is like oh, that's 150 years old. Oh my yeah. god, the what mall you- is 15 years yeah, old, man. Like, we have like my, my. It looks like everything was built in the 1960s. Yeah, my grandfather's house that he lived in when he was a kid in Seattle is like a historical landmark. Not because of him, but because it was like an old house when he moved into it. I'm like, that's so stupid. Wow. Yeah. No, the Space th- Needle is a historical landmark in Seattle. That was built in the 60s. What's the deal with the Space Needle, not to get too sidetracked here, but what? Yeah, what's well, the big deal? And I, they, they <laughs> built it for the World Fair, and at the time they're like, look at how crazy this is. I do miss a simpler time where we used to just build really big shit to just show the world yeah. that we we're boss. Like, hey, we got the yeah. Statue of Liberty, World Trade Center. There's still some of that going on now. I feel like uh, hopefully we can rebuild the Freedom Towers to really high heights. But just, yeah. yeah, it was just showing off as a nation. Like, look, we can do that. If you really want to uh, show off with the Freedom Towers, we're going to put one of those, like, six flag things where they just, <laughs> you know, those rides where they drag you up really high and they oh, yeah. plummet you down. <laughs> just Free put fall. it on the top of that thing and be like, yeah, look how much fun we're having. Thanks for crashing a plane into this. You turn it into an amusement park. That'll really piss the terrorists off. Just have oh. Paris Hilton on top of it. Some something will get them fired up. <laughs> so now, okay, you, you you graduated grad school oh, in Boston. Yeah. And then I decided I just wanted to I need to be back on the West Coast. I don't yeah. know. I just wanted I liked Los Angeles. At that point in time, like I didn't have I, I made no headway in New York living in Boston. 
So Zero. did you try? You tried to go down um, there and just... I tried a little bit, man, but New York's not a friendly comedy town. No. I mean, com- it, I, comics get spoiled from New York who come out to L.A. Because in L.A., people are like, yeah, man, you want a spot on my show? You're from New York? Oh, it's so cool. If you go to New York and you're like, yeah, I'm from L.A., they're like, ah, get out of here. What do I care? I'm like, oh, man, what, why? Why are you being such a dick? <laughs> yeah, it is It is more, you think like, oh, New York, it's going to be this kind of blue-collar type comedy town. And from the the times I've been there is, yeah, it's like New York is just really high on New York comedy. And, yeah, and they, they feel like a, they're kind of snobby about it. They have it. a real caste system there. You know what I mean? Like terms that people from out here, like open micers from out here don't even know, like barkers, yeah. you know, like – Right. Barkers, it, bringers, the guys who just have to like. Last time I got off a Fungwa bus when I was doing, I was doing a show in, Bo- in New York. I got off a bus from Boston and I was walking through Times Square, and some guy was like, "Hey man, you like stand up comedy?" And I was like, "Absolutely not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hate it. To be honest, I really yeah. hate it." No, yeah, they have barkers. Uh, those are the guys who stand out yeah, and just gotta, try to get people in. And they, the they can't get a spot until two in the morning unless they, you know, a certain number of tickets come back. It's like I don't know. They have like such, and I feel like that instills such a level of. A feeling of pride, and I get that. I understand that's fine, but I've just even when I was in Boston, I never felt like that. My because my goal was to be like, yeah, I'll be in both cities by the time I move. I'll be like, I'll be regular some of the clubs. I, I don't, but no, nah, it just never did. I just well, yeah, wanted, you, I wanted to do spots, man. I didn't care. Like, I didn't, right? I didn't yeah, and and New York is just high on the own the New York system. You got to be there every night kind of playing the game and the idea is that you know there isn't anything else in comedy really it's just the stand-up scene so you just work your way up which is fine but also i think it kind of it, it hurts the process in in some way it's like hey you know barking's good but also you probably just as well be better served creatively actually just doing a crappy show somewhere else instead yeah. of just and then also when people get up there like or farther along they feel entitled and probably aren't Working as much because it's not – I don't know. Well, it's its weird, man. You know what I think it is out here too is that there's a thing called pilot season here. And everybody from New York comes this way for pilot season and they start getting – and they want spots. And the improv's giving them sets and this club's giving them sets and these people are hooking them up on their shows. But there's no pilot season in New York. I bet right. pilot season in New York is great because everyone's like, oh, my God, I got all these spots from stand-up New York now because everybody's gone. Yeah, so yeah. Not, no, that's uh, true. They don't have that – so it's like there's not that culture there. So I feel like every time you go that way – it's like everyone's like a little bit ah easy. I don't know you. Like Johnny Laquasso has a hilarious story about a comic. I won't name the name, but he <laughs> put that comic up on his show here, and because I told him I was like, uh, you know, she's from New York. She knows a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. And then he's like, uh, he's like puts her on his show here, and then when he went to New York, she he emailed her and she snapped on him like, oh, who are you? What are you just going to email me for? Like she was seriously mad that he. Like, oh God. At her and I was like, yeah, sorry about that, man. I thought that I would create a little bit of like coast <laughs> yeah. to coast friendly yeah you just try to get something started there goodwill i was like i was like i felt bad because he's like man is she like that and i was like no she's actually an awesome person i'm not sure why she snapped me like that weird. sorry bro felt like sorry I really man yeah you into that one there are, there are some weird networking moments like that in comedy but, yeah so uh, i just like la like my buddies were here you know like from seattle were here and i'd met some other comics who were always real cool with me um, and so I was just like, you know what, LA is just where I want to go. My brother lives out here. He's an actor, so I was like, I'm going to watch. Nice. Videos. And what kind? Of, and so you just been here ever since, man. Yeah, man, just hustling, just doing. I saw you. Uh, you're going to be on MTV Money from Strangers. Yeah, money, yeah, Jeff Dye's new show. What's the uh, What's the premise there? It's a prank show where they get people off the street, um, and then comics sit in a van, and we just like make them do stuff for money in like a store or whatever, <laughs> just whatever we can think of. And this ridiculous. It's like the it's the funnest show ever. Sounds like an awesome. They just set you up in a van with oh, a yeah. hidden camera, and you're just sitting there it's coming easy. up with it's stuff. Fun day. We're just playing video games all day, and then every once in a while, just sit, leaning into a microphone exactly like this podcast one, and just going like, just going like, go in the corner and act like you're peeing, <laughs> <laughs> and just and then and they're like, no, keep doing it, keep doing it. You got to do it until someone comes and tells you, asks you what you're doing for a hundred dollars. You know, like stuff like that. Now, That's have awesome. you uh, any any horror stories from the show so far? Um, no, I mean, it starts airing in, like, uh, a month, I think, April, the end of April. Uh, it was, man, it was a blast, and hopefully it gets picked up for season two, because that would be a couple more days of work, and then more days of being on that show. Yeah, for Um, sure. But yeah, I mean, when I moved out here, my goal was just to just, I didn't bug, I I still haven't, I don't bug industry people, I just try to, you know, get on shows, get funny, submit myself online for things, like, yeah, it is, it is weird, like, um, 
Yeah, it is weird with the industry stuff. It does feel like if, if you harass them, that's almost like a turnoff. Like it's the same yeah. way in a chick. Like they want to find you or they want – you know what I mean? Like they want to kind of pursue you. It does feel like that, like agents and managers. Like they don't want you to come up to them and be like, hey, sign me, sign me, sign me. Yeah, then yeah, they yeah. feel like – Oh, who the, this guy's desperate. They want to see you killing, destroying, or, or doing something and then, like, find you. And then yeah. that's kind of like, oh, yeah, this for, guy's doing good. I've yeah. had loose meetings with people after shows, and they've been like, yeah, keep me up to date. I'm like, perfect. That's how I feel like where I'm at is keep you up to date. And then right. Some, uh, yeah. Did you keep and, so much oh, if you're in the middle of making a lot of money, then yeah. we'll be your agent. Yeah. Once <laughs> you've you sold something, uh, we'd like to get 10% of that. Exactly. Right. And then if we'll you, be your agent. Hey, no one's taken anything from you yet? This is crazy. But with the internet, you can do so much for yourself anyway. Just yeah, no, it is crazy. Yeah, just doing like this, the podcast yeah. or well, like blogs that, or whatever. Uh, that USA commercial. That yeah, I saw. I, I wrote that down as well. You, It's a USA's character study where it seemed like a little kind of vignette of yeah. you going around town doing sets and then kind of describing your life like, hey, I'm Brian. I'm a character. I do stand-up comedy. And then it was for an uh, insurance company. That's the greatest company. synopsis of that commercial <laughs> I've ever heard. <laughs> I'm a character. I drive around town. Uh, yeah, it's actually like I felt like uh, so I submit myself relentlessly for things on LA casting, and I got this. I saw this commercial, and they were looking for DJs or other artists, and I was like, comedy, comedy, other artists, band. Exactly. So I wrote in the casting note, stand-up comedian, like, and it says you have to use your car. I was like, I have to drive all over town. At the time, I didn't even have a car, but I was like, I have to drive all over town. <laughs> uh, I was sharing with my brother, so I was like, uh, I got, I went in for it, uh, ended up booking it, and it was for the general auto insurance, you know, the little, like, uh, cartoon army guy, yeah. and immediately my heart dropped. I was like, oh, no. Cause like, I don't want to do a commercial with a goddamn cartoon. <laughs> like, I, what would, like, what would my comedy idols say? Well, and if you've never seen the general car, I think it's a L.A. thing or a West Coast thing, but it's just this little animated general. Down call 1-800-GENERAL-NOW. Yes. And they just run on these weird like daytime hours oh, right next to God. Lincoln Tech. It's an embarrassment. Every one of them, I hate them. <laughs> So as I saw it, I was like, for the general, I was like, oh, man, this is the worst. But I'd already, like, signed the contract, and it was a non-union thing, so I was like, can't back out. And they're, they're going to let me use my own material. So I did that joke about yoga, like, yoga, feeling like I learned karate, and then, like, just doing yoga poses, like, yelling at someone to fight me. And uh, But I lucked out because the director was a cool dude. Yeah, it was shot, it was shot really well. Shot it looks really nice. And the, the DP on it was the guy, uh, one of, as a Brazilian dude who helped work on City of God and some of those. Wow. Movies, and he only takes commercials to keep his work visa uh, current, and he only takes these character vignette like uh, commercials because it, there's so much artistic freedom. And when I showed up on set, I didn't think this thing because I booked some like sketchy things off of yeah. like, Craigslist and LA Cast. Oh yeah. When I showed up for the shoot, I thought it was just going to be like me and like five dudes and a camera, like rolling around town, me just doing fake jokes at things and venues. I showed up, and there was like. Grip trucks. There was food tents. There was like sixty people. I drove. I had. I saw the people. I took a left. It was in Burbank in the the like the staging lot or home base or whatever. I had to like drive by, and I, I was like ten minutes early. I just drove by and like parked for a second. And had to like pull my like nerves together. I was like, oh my god. There's like real people here. No, and it's funny because I they take you all over town and these places. I'm like. Wait, that that place normally looks like a shithole, but it's like really nice, oh. and it looks really. It's like, oh my god, like it, it looks really. I mean, even the places that are like, oh that place, but it it looks great on camera. Yeah, like, yeah, I did, I did. Uh, but the funny thing was, I did the same set, so they, they approved like ten minutes of jokes. Right, I, I sent them ten minutes of written jokes, and they're like, all of these will work. We don't know which one we'll use yet, and then so I did, had to do the same ten minute set like a hundred times. Yeah. that day. Like, just in every... We did three different venues, and uh, I did do them all just over and over and over again to extras. They had paid extras Oh, there. wow. Okay. And that is excruciating. <laughs> oh, God. Have, there's, I was like... At one point, I was like, you guys are trying to be actors, right? You guys are all background acting. Act, you idiots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Laugh. I don't... Like, you think I'm not acting right now? Like, I don't hate these jokes more than you guys Yeah, do. I mean, the first time, it's like, oh, yeah, that was funny. This oh, is, is going to be an easy day. I, Second I, time, I, like... I crushed it the first time. <laughs> yeah. And they're right. like, all right, do it again, do it again. And then the, they just different camera shots and different angles. And they're like, all right, do it again. And I'm like, 
they're just sitting there like completely dead and I'm like dude put a camera on them just throw a camera in these people's faces don't even run it just throw a camera just so they look so they think that they're being so it stolen. gives you some energy to keep oh, doing the same set because that's got to be tough as you to just see these people just sitting there like getting no response and you want to like riff or do something different but you're like ah, I gotta stay on script oh, and do man. the same stand up yeah it was brutal so they needed those bits over and over again now can you ever do those bits again like I imagine there was a burnout at least for a little bit where oh, you're just yeah. like I never want to hear that joke again even out of my own mouth well it's funny because so I did the, that set all day and then I went to the haha that night and did a spot and I remember one of the jokes that I did just kind of falling flat yeah and I was like you know what I'm pretty sure I didn't commit to that <laughs> in my mind I was like you're an idiot you and already just, bailed on it I remember just going way dirty and I don't usually go real dirty but I just remember like F-bombs were flying as soon as I wasn't on camera I was just like old drunken Irishman just sitting on a stool in front of people ah, just cursing up a storm yeah sometimes you gotta cut loose man especially if you've just been I, I couldn't imagine just having to repeat my own comedy you know just constantly like that that's gotta be pretty difficult oh it was a 14 hour shoot day too. oh my we God. started at wow. 7 I did the, my first set in a bookstore to production crew they didn't hire extras for the first show oh. they was all the production crew and they were like some of them were acting like they're reading books. And I was like, yeah, perfect. Like, act like you don't want me in your like, <laughs> All of you. Just act. Because this is like, I know you're going to make it look like I'm killing, but like, I want the crowd shots to be like some lady flipping through a book or something. Yeah. Right. And uh, that set started at 8.15 a.m. Oh, my God. 8.15 in the a.m. doing stand-up. Oh, my God. I remember like immediately they are like, you're doing great. You have a lot of good energy. And I'm like, it's just all uncomfortableness, right? Yeah. That's all it is. Like 8.15 in the morning. Crazy. Good times, man. All right, let's get to uh, get to a little news here. Chris Rock was uh, at the Oscars, you know, talking about uh, show business. He presented for the he, I think it was uh, best animation. So this is Chris Rock talking about animation. I don't know. It's it's just great when um, you know. He, I think he's good at just kind of calling out the industry. People go on TV and tell you how hard it is to do animation. It's like, oh, Jay, it's such hard work. It's so hard doing animation, getting into character. No, no, no. UPS is hard work, okay? <laughs> Stripping wood is hard work. I've done some animation, and here's how easy it is. It's the easiest job in the world. I go in a booth, and I go, oh, oh what's the line? And the guy goes, it's time to go to the store. And then I go... It's time to go to the stove. <laughs> That's pretty and good, too. The, you, you like that? <laughs> oh, we can move on? Okay. And then yeah. I go, well, what's the next line? I go, it's getting dark outside. It's getting dark outside. <laughs> oh, I'm picturing that zebra. And then they give me a million dollars. Uh, it's just so great. First off, I love Chris Rock doing an impression of Chris Rock. I don't yeah. know. For some reason, that really <laughs> cracked me up. And just the whole idea that... Um, yeah, like, why not Chris Rock more on the Oscars? I don't know. I, I think when you have a guy like him, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed him as an Oscar host. Did you watch any of the Oscars this year? No, I didn't. I had a, uh, what was I doing? Yeah, to be <laughs> honest, I was mostly watching the NBA All-Star was, game. Yeah, I wasn't doing anything. I, and I was like, I, you know what irritated, You know what my problem was? I put Twitter on. Like, I put Twitter on. I was watching Twitter. I'm like, <laughs> like a goddamn grandpa right now. I put on the Twitter. Threw on the like, old Twitter. Yeah, I like opened my laptop and looked at my Twitter feed. And it was all Oscar this, Oscar that. This lady's dress sucks. All these comics just hating. And I was like, man, I don't want anything to do. I shut the laptop and I was like, I'm just, I want to watch Dirty Jobs or something or like whatever. I think I watched Bering Sea Gold that I had on DVR. Yeah, whatever, man. Just something to kind of get out of it. I just hate. I like just some relentless bitter hating. I was yeah. Like, what do I care? Hating's hating's funny. Oh, if did it's... you see how ugly Angelina Jolie looks? Yeah, sure. I bet you say that to your to her face. <laughs> no, and no one would say that to her face. And she's really attractive. But yeah, it's just just through Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that, we just kind of I don't know, just built this culture of just being kind of snarky and bitchy yeah. like oh are, are we all david spade as a country like exactly. no come on david I'm, spade does those kind of catty chick jokes that are funny and sarcastic in david spade's thing but everyone else come on we're not just we're grown men let's just stop sitting around and bitching about everything i wanted to start a web series if anyone out here is listening and has the money to do this let's do it i want to start a web series where we get celebrities who get hated on constantly by comics on like Chelsea Lately and some of those other shows, you know, and they're all shows I enjoy. I like I like the Chelsea Lately. I mean, it's entertaining those comic shows, but I do love to see that moment 
when some comic has been just ripping Paris Hilton. Like, yes. Just ripping her. And then she watches the footage and we just show up at that comic's house and just out of the blue and just watch that moment of panic on their face when they're starstruck and they, cause they won't even remember like, Oh my, Oh my God, I said some terrible things and just have her literally interview. I'm like, Oh, so you, where did you hear that? I had uh, chlamydia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, bah, 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 it's a funny punchline. I don't know. what And just have her, yeah, just have her like walk in oh, right God. in the club. That would be so great. Someone was telling me that, or like Snooki, man, you could ambush so much oh, yeah. Snooki and just watch that <laughs> stutter because none of them have the balls to say to her face. I would just love to do just a web series where it's just nothing but comic confrontations, like the biggest comics in the world. Well, speaking of Snooki, I don't know if you heard this, Brian, but a little a little news coming Snooki's way. MTV is freaking out over the news that Snooki is pregnant. The Guidette is shooting her New Jersey Shore spinoff with her partner in crime, Wow. But now that she's prego, the whole theme of the show could change. Snooki and Wow versus the world was the reality show Goldmine. But since Snooki now has a bun in the oven, there won't be much drinking, smushing, partying, hot tubbing, <laughs> or fighting in the club. Yeah, <laughs> right. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> that would be, it's going to be a, a big, like, DSHS, like, like a intervention special. Yeah, that would be if it, yeah, if that didn't slow her down, it's just like, wow, we have a document or like a, a you know, basically a document and, and believe me, she's going to be smushing. And that like there's no right. medical smushing. reason you can't. What's yeah. smushing? Oh, I guess that's her uh, code Come word on, for having queen, sex. Come queen, on, Logan. Right? What are you doing? <laughs> How are we lecturing you? No, I I came out here to get away so, from that. It's it's <laughs> well, funny. Whatever. Who's, I like to play a dumber. No, ooh, uh, smushing. What? Who is this? <laughs> who is Snooky? It's funny, Logan. As a Guido, uh, GTL Logan, Jim Tan Laundry. It seems <laughs> I only see you doing tanning. <laughs> I've seen a lot of the other two. Um, now what? Oh, oh but uh, yeah, no, I had the same thing. Like I had JWoww on the show. I had uh, JWoww call in. This was like a while back. Really? And yeah, she was really nice. Like she wasn't. I mean, I know those people not, but see they. They're not, uh, it's not a reality show anymore. It's like, it's a scripted show, essentially. Like, yeah. they, they know how to turn it on for, they know, it, they're doing press. Like, they know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah well, they negotiated. an absolute snatch, do you? <laughs> <laughs> they negotiated a whole new contract. But, yeah, what was really funny was when Joe, JWoww called in, we had a guest comic in here, uh, Cornell, and he was making fun of Snooky, and she was just kind of laughing at it. Yeah, yeah. he's just like, uh, Snooky's a troll, and she was just like, <laughs> she was just yeah, like, whatever. Like, yeah. <laughs> she's like, sorry, my Maserati outside, I need to go wash it real quick. Yeah, yeah. they, uh, yeah, I mean, the, but we're laughing in the end, because we get all the success and fame. Right, hey, good for good for Snooky. She, uh, everyone's she'll land on her feet. How, go, how is Snooky pregnant? It's like, dude, what are you talking, that's all that chick did, was yeah. like, she, she just tried to how she wanted to just like she'd be like why won't Vinny have sex with me it's like I don't I don't know he probably did when, like the situation I hope that's his I hope the kid is born with crazy uh, abs no that'd be awesome if there was some sort of uh, Maury type paternity special yeah, that just, comes out of the J-Wow the cast members that's all it is it's just, just <laughs> everyone that J-Wow hooked or uh, Snooki hooked up with in like the past five seasons just one episode of Maury who's Snooki's dad that would be uh, pretty entertaining, to say the least. All right, let's see here. We got uh Okay, here we go. Um, Rush Limbaugh, he was going off. Do you, you follow politics at oh, all? Oh, yeah. He was going off. Um, well, this was about, I guess, part of Obama's health care plan is providing contraceptives at, or whatever. I guess, like, the the work-mandated health care coverage covers contraceptives as well. So this is uh, Rush Limbaugh responding to that. The D.C. Department of Health, free Collins and Lube, if you just ask them for it. So, Ms. Fluke, and the rest of you feminazis, here's the deal. If we are going to pay for your contraceptives and thus pay for you to have sex, we want something for it. And I'll tell you what it is. We want you to post the videos online so we can all watch. <laughs> it's just like who wouldn't that's, think that creep would say? By the way, like I love how the music comes on. That's him going yeah. to break. That's his, that's his big like Dude, drop that, the mic and walk away yeah. moment. What a moron! Has Rush Limbaugh never watched you porn? Yeah. Do you know how terrible amateur porn is? I don't need some guy with a handy cam like, hey Rush, check this out. Thanks for the contraceptives. Yeah, obviously he really doesn't want that. And if you're a Republican, aren't free condoms? Isn't that what you want as a Republican? Like, hey, listen. 
people who can't afford to buy condoms are getting condoms. That means the kids that – listen, put it this way. If you can't afford a condom, you certainly can't afford a child. So I'd much rather – I mean if you're a Republican or a Democrat, this is just good business yeah. sense. If you can't afford a condom, you can't afford a kid. So you should have plenty of condoms, plenty of contraceptives. That should be like the only thing we give out for free is I condoms. guarantee you Rush yeah, Limbaugh cheap. would support sterilizing poor people. I promise you that's – he's a, he doesn't want them having – he doesn't want to pay for anything that they do. He doesn't want them to have sex at all. He doesn't want them to exist. Yes. And, and I think he also says these outrageous things to get in the news, and it works every time. Yeah. Post, or, you know, get some fired pay, up. So he's talking can... about paying people to have sex. Yeah, let's do it. All... <laughs> There's three dudes that's sitting here right now. We'd, I would take them up on that offer. Not with you guys. The president. Right. We could all go our separate ways. He could pay Exactly. Us. Give us a voucher. Wait. Yes. You would pay Russell Limbaugh to have sex with you? No, I would let but him that... pay for me to go to Vegas. And then that would be the final caveat, is that we get to watch Rush Limbaugh having to watch all these weird videos. <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, would be a nice uh, nice tapper there. Wow, look at the time. It's flown. Logan, you want to uh, wrap things up here with a haiku? Let's do it. Would the island jug? Freud was a motherfucker. <laughs> Snooky, who's the dad? All right, nice work there, Logan. And You're such an artist. Oh, dude, nice. he's a true artist. Maybe we'll see him on a... You don't get enough credit on this show. Yeah, I yeah. want to see a USA character study on Logan. That would yeah, be delightful. you and your haikus. <laughs> just the high, hitting the haiku open mic circuit. <laughs> exactly. I go from uh, mic to mic working on my haikus, just like him doing some zen, zen poetry. We're not paying for you to have sex. Drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> well, good times, Brian. Thanks for coming yeah, on the man, program. Yeah. Thank you. Where can, uh, where can people check you out? Uh, well, Money from Strangers in uh, I know I'm on episodes May on May 2nd and May 28th. All and, right. Uh, I think one in between there. Or maybe one or two in between. I don't know. Just watch the show every day. It's on. So we yep. get another You'll season. You'll see it. MTV. Okay, so, yeah. So we get another season. So we uh, get paid to make people do ridiculous things. It sounds yeah. like a great, uh, you know, great country to be in. Great gig to have. And uh, what do you got at Twitter? <laughs> Uh, yeah, at Moot Points. At Moot Points. Yeah. Check him out. I had to own that pun. So there you go. Oh, well, that's great. It's spelled I, just with an S? Moot Points, yeah. Not a Z or anything crazy? No, <laughs> yeah, I had to claim like that it. URL quickly. Oh, yeah, dude. Some some other Moot. Some other the Moot. Comedy. I had to fight him to the death. I treat Moot like the name, like a Highlander. So. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in the Green Room. We do it live here every week on SeanTGreen.com. for listening to The Green Room. Check out the show archive at seantgreen.com to download over 150 plus episodes and follow the show on Twitter at Green Room Show. Also, check out the Comedy Garage Movie.com.